It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. It's December, so you know what that means. It's Christmas! So in this episode, we'll be getting super festive and exploring some fun, interesting things, including what Christmas may have been like all the way back in medieval England, a chaotic Christmas comedy episode involving Mark and Jez of Peep Show, and some British covers of the most inevitable and ever-present modern-day Christmas song, All I Want For Christmas Is You. I've explored the history of Christmas concerning a number of things, such as the Lord of Misrule, or Christmas Crackers, and Victorian Christmas is something that's covered quite a lot, though I may find some ways to talk about some interesting aspects of it in the future. But I thought I'd take a big step further back in history, to medieval Britain, and see if they had a Christmas that we'd recognise today. Well, the answer is kind of. The early Middle Ages had Epiphany on the 6th of January, and that was more of the focus. But celebrations during the Christmas period were quiet prayer and religious observance. Over time, the festive season of the High Middle Ages, around the year 1000 to 1300, became a lot more raucous and adult-oriented, especially compared to today's Christmas celebrations. Feasting and drinking was a large focus of the holiday. Well, that's pretty much accurate for many people during the season today. In 1213, King John of England held an epic Christmas feast, and records showed he had a lot of food and drink ordered, including 24 hogsheads of wine, a hogshead was a barrel that could carry approximately 500 litres of liquid, 200 heads of pork, 1,000 hens, 50 pounds of pepper, 2 pounds of saffron, a very expensive spice at the time having to come from overseas, and 100 pounds of almonds. Also, an added disgusting treat was 10,000 salt eels requested from the Sheriff of Canterbury. I get the wine, I get the meat, I get the nuts, but I don't think I'll be updating my festive recipes with salt eels. On a slightly smaller but still decadent level, in 1289 records show that Richard of Swinfield, the Bishop of Hereford, invited 41 guests to a Christmas feast. Three meals were served over the course of the day's celebrations, including two carcasses and three quarters of beef, two calves, four does, four pigs, 60 fowls, eight partridges and two geese. That's a lot of meat and it kind of sounds like a warped 12 days of Christmas, there was even partridges. although seven more than the actual song. The feast included some non-meat things such as bread and cheese, but more importantly, 40 gallons of red wine and four gallons of white wine was consumed during the day. That's more like it. Now these are the rich folk, but even the peasants might have got something at this time of year. Local lords often provided food for their people. Records show a shepherd in Somerset in the 13th century received a loaf of bread and a dish of meat for Christmas Eve. Three other tenants on the same manor received two loaves of bread, a mess of beef and bacon with mustard, one chicken, cheese, fuel for cooking and a whole lot of beer to share for celebrations. Not a bad festive feast. As you've heard from the food being presented, 
Turkey was not around at this point. The New World was a while away from being discovered. Goose was the most common option, but venison was also popular. The poor, however, often had to make do with the offcuts, usually donated by the Lord from their deer killed at Christmas for the feast. The offal at the time was known as the umbles, and often baked into a pie, becoming umble pie, which over time became humble pie, and eating humble pie became a term for someone who's fallen from a high standing to a more modest level. I've covered the food, drink, feasting and celebrations, but there are other parts of a medieval Christmas, and I'd like to save them for future episodes. So let's leave it there before we get any more hungry or any more disgusted. As it's December, why not check out this other brilliant podcast from the Christmas Podcast Network? The Christmas Alphabet Podcast is all about Christmas in alphabetical order. I'm Wayne, your host, and I bring you a new episode every two weeks throughout the year. Each time we look at Christmas history, food, music and fun facts, starting with just one letter of the alphabet. Join me as we follow the alphabet all through the year, all about Christmas. Subscribe and join us at the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. David Mitchell and Robert Webb have become semi-national treasures in the UK thanks to their comedic genius shining in their sketch show, panel shows and of course peep show. Peep Show started in 2003, created by Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong, the creator of the extremely popular Succession, which I haven't seen yet, my apologies. Peep Show follows two best friends, who sometimes quite often hate each other, but live together in a London flat. Mark Corrigan, played by Mitchell, is neurotic and socially awkward, struggling with day-to-day connection, and preferring rules, order, and historical literature. I'm just a normal, functioning member of the human race and there's no way anyone can prove otherwise. Meanwhile, Jeremy Osborne, aka Jez, played by Robert Webb, is lazy and childish, an unemployed musician who constantly goes after women and sees himself as a free spirit, albeit one, without much common sense. Oh right, you're with them now, are you, Mark? Well tell me, is it mad to be diagnosed with a mental disorder, or is it in fact much more mad to get up every morning to go to your boring job so you can print out lots of meaningless documents? I'm sorry about this, it's the 60s. He thinks he's living in the 60s. The show uses a stylized approach, with point of view shots and voiceovers of the inner thoughts of the pair. It became a cult favourite and the audience grew over the course of nine seasons, running from 2003 to 2015. The show was named the 13th greatest British sitcom in a Radio Times poll a few years ago, showing how well received it was. It helped make stars of the two main characters who are great in their roles. And to the Christmas special, seasonal beatings. And the Christmas episode came towards the end of season 7 and begins on Christmas morning. And Jez is excited to exchange presents with Mark, who is less pleased with the morning intrusion. There, um... There wasn't anything at the end of my bed when I woke up. It's in here. Oh, brilliant. And you saw? Yes, yes, you woke me at 5.30 when you came in. I've been trying to get to sleep since 6 by reading about Wilson's trade union reforms, but Ma is so damn readable. Mm. And there's a little bit of a mismatch between the present giving. Roy Atkins on Trafalgar. I heard you talking about it. That's just tremendously thoughtful, Jeremy. What are these? Kitchen tongs, but we need them. You bought yourself some kitchen tongs. Oh. 
And, yes, I remember you getting this Scott Rail sleeping mask when you went on Scott Rail overnight to Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. You know, in, in, in my family, we do sort of jokey stockings. Right. In mine, we sort of try quite hard. Jez has bought in a Christmas tree that's a little bit too big for their tiny flat. Oh, wow. So you got it in in the end. It's quite a specimen. Mm-hmm. Quite a specimen. I thought about trimming the top off, but it felt like I was castrating Christmas. But on the day, Mark's family is coming over for Christmas, and he's excited for a reason. Nice to have your family here for Christmas. Well, not really. But the point is, I'm in charge. I've launched the Christmas putsch. I carve the turkey, I decide what veg we have. No cauliflower. No one else has it. It's not a tradition. Christmas is coming home. Ding dong merrily on Mark. Exactly. The pair discuss plans for Christmas dinner, and things get out of hand quickly. Prepare the jingle bleeper. Where's the turkey, Jeremy? What? The turkey. Where's the turkey? I thought you were getting the turkey. You what? No turkey? You it, Jeremy! You total f***ing idiot! That was your job, you f***ing moron! You crackin'! You're all That's what you are! It was a joke, Mark. I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. Mark's girlfriend, Dobby, a nerdy, sweet and outspoken IT worker at Mark's office drops by, and her Christmas plans are suddenly scuppered. And Mark, of course, continues to be a rubbish boyfriend. I'm not going to the Dorchester to eat Christmas lunch on my own like a millionaire madwoman. Hmm. Should invite her to stay here. And I've missed the moment. Right there. Missed it. I'm already going to have a nervous breakdown with my family and tiny Tim Jeremy and the turkey. Why add a dangerous, unstable chemical into the mix? But he caves into the social pressure and invites her to stay. Then an actual Christmas dinner issue comes up. Jeremy, where are the potatoes? No idea, dude. Not my area. But you were on turkey and veg. Potatoes aren't veg. Oh, uh, yes they are. Mm, are they? Um, I mean, they kind of are, but not really. Well, what else are they? Are you sure potatoes aren't veg? Aren't they not earth, but like salt? I mean, tomatoes are fruit and potatoes are bread? No. I mean, they're wheaty. They don't go in the drawer in the fridge, so... Yeah? Jeremy, obviously, potatoes are vegetables. Well, now you're going on about it, maybe you're right, but, you know, they're not exactly cabbage, are they? I mean, they're brown. They're nice. I continually quote Jez here on what potatoes are any time I cook them, which is a lot, because as Jez says... Oh, that's not enough. I love potatoes. They're the best bit. Dobby says she can bring some potatoes over. Jez gets upset over his mother celebrating Christmas on a cruise. And Mark states another quote I like to use over the holidays. Don't break down on Christmas. Break down on Boxing Day. Once the washing up's done. Mark also reveals he hasn't told his family about Dobby, which again shows him up as a rather rubbish boyfriend. Eventually, his family arrives. He introduces them to Dobby awkwardly. And this is our friend? Hello, I'm Dobby. We know each other. As you do. It's fine. Luckily, we're all English, so no one's going to ask any questions. And then Jez's friend and mega drug dealer, Superhands, turns up, upsetting Mark. Great. Methadone in the mulled wine. What? It's your fault. It's not my fault. I was holding the line. Yes, but you know him. You shouldn't know him. Well, I'm sorry, but I do know him. Oh, merry migraine and a happy new stomach ulcer. 
and Dobby finds a way to critique Mark in front of everyone secretly. And you have a boyfriend at all? Kind of. I mean, I like him, but sometimes he can be a bit of a jerk and so on. <laughs> like, he seems cool, but really, he can be kind of cowardly and mean and do things that humiliate me. Mark's day continues to get worse as he gets a present that's not really that thoughtful from his dad. Yeah, this is... this is brilliant. What is it? It's a shredder. It's my dad's old shredder. But you've already got a shredder. Why are you looking at me like that? Like what? Like you're trying to fry my brain with your laser vision. Please shut up. So, wow, Sarah got the cashmere jumper and the spa break and Mark got the second-hand shredder. <laughs> what did he do wrong? Why did she have to say? I'm going out with a sayer. The sayers say they can't help saying, but they can. After some rather tense dinner conversation involving how controlling Dad seems to be over Mark's mum, with Dobby getting involved, Mark declares her to be his girlfriend at last. Dobby's my girlfriend, alright? I'm sorry, I, I didn't mention it before, but we're an item and she's great and, and it's going really well and she may appear to you norms like, like a bit of a freak, but I don't care. He shoots, he scores, he calls his teammate a freak. And then Dad shows his really bitter side after being told there's no cauliflower. Now where's the cauliflower? Cauliflower is not traditional, Dad. Cauliflower is traditional! I don't know if it really is traditional, actually. Could you not slip a muzzle on your woman, please, Mark? Dobby leaves in anger, and a riled up Mark finally stands up to his dad by putting his dinner through the gift of a second-hand shredder. Good riddance to bad rubbish. You can do a lot better than that, Marco. Well, no, actually, because she's great, and thanks to you, I'm a dick. So I was punching well above my weight. Pass me some of that ham, will you? I think it's the only meat on the table and likely to kill me. Allow me. You want ham? Well, you're gonna get ham. See how you like this ham. What the hell do you think you're doing? I thought you liked your ham shredded. Mark! Think what it's doing to the mechanism. It's fine, Dad. <clears throat> Somebody stop him. He's gone totally mad. Dad leaves the room and a triumphant Mark declares. I've won! It's festive festin! Hakuna Matata! I'm the new Lion King! Right. Hans, pour my mother a massive drink. Jeremy, turn on Ratatouille. Sarah, crack open the Pictionary. Merry Christmark, everyone! Peep Show is a brilliant acerbic look at life and it shows a dysfunctional Christmas with all of its hilarity. It's super exaggerated, as many sitcoms are, but it, it captures a tense family scenario, while still rallying around just in time for a kind of happy festive ending with Mark standing up to his dad. The Jez storyline is kind of pushed to the background here, which is a bit of a shame, but he does have some moments, especially in trying to reject the advances of Mark's sister, proudly declaring to his flatmate that he did it for Santa. Peep Show is a wonderful show to rewatch as well, and the next episode is a cracking New Year one that's worth your time if you check the show out. Mariah Carey unleashed a monster into the world in 1994 as the lead single for her festive album. It received critical acclaim, has reached the top spot in 26 countries, has reportedly earned $60 million in royalty, and continues to assault everyone's ears in December. That makes it sound like I don't like it, as I know many don't, but I actually do quite like it a lot. It's silly festive fun, so it just works for me and jumpstarts those festive feels. 
I won't spend too long going over this song in detail, as I'm sure everyone knows it inside and out, and I'm here to explore British stuff, and Mariah is definitely not British. But there are some interesting covers I thought I'd share with you this December. First up is a live version for Radio 1. BBC Radio 1 is a long-standing institute of British media here, and still going pretty strong. For many years, they've had sessions called the Live Lounge, where performers usually cover songs, sometimes in a unique way. These have been released on CD and Spotify, and there are some really interesting stuff, as well as some that may well best be forgotten. Of course, Christmas songs are often picked during the winter season, and All I Want For Christmas was done by Clean Bandit, a very successful electronic pop band from Cambridge who had big hits with Symphony and Rockabye. This cover of the Mariah Carey classic was performed live in 2017, and does some interesting things with it. Radio 1 but moved to a piano pop ballad style from Bastille, a pop rock band fronted by Dan Smith who won a British breakthrough act at the Brit Awards in 2014. This cover strips back the song and it adds some strange additional lyrics and music stolen from R. Kelly and Tupac, an odd choice that I'm not sure fully works but is worth a listen. Next up is a retro sounding song from a trio of singers that actually didn't start performing together until 2004. 
The Papini sisters are composed of Kate, Emma and Marcella, two English and one Italian singers, who sing close harmony vocal throwbacks a cappella jazz and swing. They might be best known for guesting on Michael Bublé's Jingle Bells cover, but they recorded an interesting bunch of their own Christmas covers for an album in 2010, including All I Want For Christmas Is You. who often sounds out of the time is Jamie Cullum, a British jazz musician who brought the genre back to the mainstream for a short while in the early 2000s, covering popular hits such as N.E.R.D.'s Fronting in a jazz style, also showing off his piano chops. He actually released a Christmas album last year, but this cover of Mariah's smash hit came out in 2018. More than you could ever know Make my wish come true all I want for Christmas is you. One, two, oh, one, two. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. And I don't need to hang my stocking. There upon the fireplace Santa Claus won't make me happy With the toy on Christmas Day I just want you for my own More than you could ever know Make my wish come true All I want for Christmas I won't ask for much this Christmas I won't even wish for snow I'm just gonna keep on waiting And the final cover, maybe one many of you are familiar with because it's actually from a film and pretty much the most British Christmas film of all time Love Actually, which I may deep dive into in a future episode. But the 2004 film was by rom-com legend Richard Curtis starring every brilliant British actor one of the stories within the many stories featured the recently widowed Liam Neeson, with his stepson Sam played by a young Thomas Sangster. Sam reveals he's in love with an American girl called Joanna, and sets out to win her affection by learning the drums to play on stage in a Christmas show while she sings. Olivia Olsen plays Joanna, and has since gone on to fame as Marceline the Vampire Queen in Adventure Time, as well as Vanessa Doofenshmirtz on Phineas and Ferb. But back in 2004, she was singing All I Want for Christmas and apparently her voice was so good the sound editors had to rough it up a little to make it more realistic for the cinematic audience. It's a great classic cover and a brilliant moment in the film.
So, one more episode to come this year, except for maybe a mini surprise musical episode as usual, and it's going to feature lots of other brilliant Christmas podcasters in the Christmas Podcast Network, offering some interesting opinions about British adverts. Forget all the lists you've seen online, and listen in to find out once and for all which festive British advert of 2021 is the best, and therefore, which is the worst. Follow and chat with me on my socials about everything you've heard me ramble about. I'm at Merry Britsmas on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Are you confused about potatoes like Jez? Do you know a good cover of All I Want For Christmas Is You? Would you like to attend a medieval Christmas feast? Are you cooking eel this year? Get in touch and let me know and a very Merry Christmas to all of you. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all.